Good morning, Chris. Good morning. <laughs> we we both had pretty fairly eventful weeks. Um, I know. <laughs> you could, so I I would have to say congratulations. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like you did well. You executed. Okay. So you didn't execute. <laughs> Um, Give a little context. So it's exactly one week away, one uh, week since. One week, yeah. Well, one week in a day because we're recording this on a on a Saturday, and oh, I, right. I competed a on a Friday. But yeah, I competed at uh, the twenty twenty Pans here Located in Orlando, here in Kissimmee, Kissimmee. Let's gr- Greater Orlando area, Greater Orlando area. area. All the greats were there: Galval, Lucas Lage. It was cool. Does it every time you shake, did, did like every time like Gavao greet somebody, he like just ripped his shirt off and screamed in their face? <laughs> no. Actually, honestly, like I didn't see any people like fanboying or fangirling out because there's no fans there. Yeah, but most fans at jujitsu events are other jujitsu practitioners anyway. That's like, true. Like jujitsu doesn't have like casual, casual fans. fans. Yeah, but I don't know if it was just. People already knew each other to some degree because that's it's a, a small that's like, community. A, they're the circuit folks. Yeah, right? it's like, like going to it's like going to a, a business conference and you see the same people. It's like, oh, that's Sally from Seattle. I will have to get a drink later. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. One of those things. So I, I don't know what the context was in that respect, but it was cool to see those guys. It was cool to see them in person. They weren't. Uh, Galval was not uh, wasn't. You know, a lot of these people weren't as big as I expect. The big guys were not as big as I thought. Um, some of the big guys, guys meaning like, uh, like Galvao was Paul's size, except more or less the same height. If, if maybe an inch taller, but really just the same, I would say the same height as Paul, the same build as Paul, except you went into Photoshop and you turn Galvao to his, your side and you take his chest <laughs> and you pull it out and you take his back and you pull it out. So he's like twice as thick from chest to back than Paul is, even though like, Genetically, they look very similar. And then Galvao does have a bigger head. You know? It's probably from getting clubbed. <laughs> I don't know. Right. The meows were taller than I expected. Really? They were, they I... were, like, they were tall, very skinny with very high shoulders. Very they, high shoulders? Yeah. They look like guys that, that walk around with their shoulders kind of They're up. just yeah. constantly surprised or yeah, constantly I, don't know. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. No, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. The guy who was gigantic was a guy that I'm not familiar with. Actually, I'm familiar with him only because of... Our conversation with Carlos last week brought him to front of mind. Is Pedapano? Oh yeah, yeah. He's wait. You mean the, the UFC fighter Pedapano? He I was th- a heavyweight. Yeah, yeah I mean he's fucking huge. Yeah. Now yeah. he's put on some weight. You know, as as, as I think most like, yeah. jujitsu <laughs> yeah, athletes tend to do. But I mean, he was he was at like six four, six five. It looked like. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. he was big. I mean, he fought. If if it's the Pedapano I'm thinking of, which, I think there's probably only one. Mar- Marcio Cruz, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he fought in heavyweight at UFC. So, okay. I mean, he was fighting, like, I forgot who he fought. But, I mean, you got to be fucking big to fight. So, oh, yeah. yeah he's no, got to be so gigantic. He was, he was super big. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good experience, for sure. Cool. That's awesome. How much? Um, so, tell me about your, did you, so, when you, by the time you got there, um, how much sort of, like, like, feeling it out, checking out the, the landscape and yeah so getting in your mindset yeah so i met i I came here to the gym i was scheduled to compete at 1 30 so i came over to the gym met up with paul we went together in his vehicle to the venue i always mess this up it's i don't know if i think it's the sand spur arena or the i think it's the silver Silver spur arena and paul actually used to fight there 
Yeah, and like the kind w- of WEF days. I believe. Yeah, where he said, you know, the, the, they did rodeos and stuff. Just kind of what Carlos was talking about the week before. But he was like, oh, I remember how you get to this place. So <laughs> we pulled up. And right away as we're pulling in, because they have parking at the venue. Are you, uh, just out of curiosity, are you trying to cut weight while you're there too? Or like, even like, a, like does Paul have the heat on? And no, like I, I, I woke up at, at, uh, at 63. That's where you need to be. I, that's where I need to be. So I woke up at 63, and because I have to be 168 with the gi on, and the gi is uh, between three and four pounds. Mm-hmm. So I was, and, and again, I, I'm I'm taking into account that maybe my scale is off potentially, you know. So I just didn't want to fuck around with that. Okay. So um, I didn't I didn't drink water that much though. So that was the one thing. It was like. I woke up, I was on, I had the food I was going to have, and then I didn't have too much to drink. So I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll have like cotton mouth there, and then I will, you know, drink some water once. Yeah, exactly. Which is ultimately what I did. But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's milk this for all it's worth. (laughs) So you you get there, Paul remembers how to get there. Yeah, so I get there. The, The venue itself, they had... Pretty significant security in terms of what, who to show and, you know, how to get in there. And, you know, so you had to... Are they doing, like, temperature checks and stuff at the door? Yeah, they're doing temperature checks. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff. And there was a, there was a gentleman there that asked me, uh, hey, man, is someone coaching you? I was like, yeah, he, yeah, that guy over there. And he didn't understand. He's like, hey, man, because I need to coach one of my fighters. Can I go in with you? I was like, no, no, my coach is there. He's like, oh, sorry, brother. So, I mean, so people are trying to game the, they're trying to get the in. plus one. Yeah, they're trying to get in, you know. I, I don't doubt that he's trying to coach somebody. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's right, just right. lying. But anyway, when we went into park, that's, literally that's we weird, park, yeah. you know, just like we'd park at any event place here, right? Kind of pulling into the grass and the yeah. extended parking. And right in front of the car works walks Elizabeth Clay. The Who? Elizabeth Clay is a black belt who just competed against gabby garcia oh who's number one okay so she's there like kind of a tank toppy kind of thing just waltzing around with one of her friends is like okay well now these are bands all the all the random people wandering around are going to be black belts yeah (laughs) this is kind of this is kind of cool like elite black belts yeah (laughs) not even black belts (laughs) so anyway we check in and it's probably an hour and 15 minutes before call time Call time being like when I when I compete rather, and the way the system works is they have a uh, television. The, by the way, the venue looked great, the mats looked great. I'll give IBGJ very plenty of props, right? very professional, and really at, in the scheme of things, I was called pretty much on time. You know, oh, nice. I wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't like when I've gone to any other local tournament where they tell you one thirty and then you go on at five forty. Excuse me, yeah. like three forty-five, and it's just kind of a cluster. So very well run in that respect. And they had a screen. They had. They had a screen that had columns in it that correspond to each mat, and it was basically the upcoming schedule for each of the mats. So it's like this oh, match wow. is going on, then this match, and this match. So these people on deck. Yes. So the minute you appear on the screen is when you're allowed to check in. So that's how they did check-ins. Check-in huh. being you, you do your weight in front of a person, mm-hmm. and they sign you up, and you're in the fighter area now. So you're in the on-deck circle, you're so to speak. You're in the corral. Yeah, you're in the corral, and you can't leave that corral. It's like mm-hmm. until they call you. So you and your coach are allowed. Or, just or, me. Just you. Okay. Just the competitor. Because there are no there are no coaches allowed to sit 
next to the competitor, like on the judges side, mm-hmm. they eliminated that. So now it just is that a COVID leaned, thing or is that a no? That a, that's an IBJJF thing. So now they okay. just lean over the you just lean over the railing when people oh, walk. Really? Yeah. So everyone, so anyone can coach. They're just part of the spectators yeah, screaming yeah. at you, you know, screaming at you. So Paul and I found a spot, you know, uh, to kind of chill. And about an hour out, I started, uh, I was like, okay, let's get loose. So, um, you know, I'd been stretching a little bit up until there and just to start to get loose a little bit. And then Paul put me through a, uh, a warm-up, which was great. I kind of took my... Uh, That's right. Y'all go to Noah. You know, I kind of just took my, you know, my, my <laughs> the dogs have invaded. How do I pull guard against a dog? <laughs> anyway... I no, he's fine. I kind of turned things, you know. Oh, I, I turned yeah, my brain treats. off, and Paul kind of walked me through the the warm up and got me yeah. loose and some drills. Now is it like our our class warm up? Are you no, doing that? It was, or it, is it was it a little more sports specific. Yeah, and there was no warm up mat, so we're doing this in the concrete of what? Yeah. How? So is that? I think that might be COVID related that they didn't have they didn't have a warm up mat. Okay. For for COVID reasons, because I, I mean, just everybody would be on. Yeah, I guess so. We, uh, and they, and they were pretty good about sanitizing between matches. Nice. Whereas with that, it's like, how do you judge when you would sanitize? Like a bunch of people are warming up and then you sanitize and then, right, right, you know, right, right. I, so I, I, whatever. So we're on doing it on the concrete. Fine. I see my name appear on the board. Okay. I go step on the scale that they have available to the athletes outside. Mm-hmm. So you can weigh yourself prior. I was with the gi. I was like 166. Like I came in like two pounds. Like I was light i was like 165 166 so you're in the 80 kilos is what it is 168 right 2.2 times 80 yeah but my point is is i was trying to be just around like just under 168 i came probably like three or four pounds under just from the little sweating from warm-up and stuff yeah so i was under more than i expected which is fine you know yeah so uh i checked in they checked my uniform they have a gizmo for checking the uniform. I've never seen it. It's like you can they, buy it now. It really is a plastic. I, it's like a plastic wand that has like slits in it and yeah. stuff. So it's for measuring like the, the thickness of lapels, for measuring the, th- the amount of space between your... The uh, thickness you, of lapels? Yeah. Really? The thickness of lapels, the thickness of your belt, the width of your belt, the, the space between your arm and the gi. So basically they make sure the diameter of your... Um, your arms is correct with respect to your your yeah. your arms, so you can't be wearing a tight gi like a form fitting gi. Like there needs to be enough give, yeah. so they they slide a, this wand. You, you put your arm straight, and then you slide this wand that wand between your arm and the material to make sure right, it can right. fit through. So after I got that, I, I went in and I drank a you know a good amount of Gatorade and some water but not too much that I was like going to be bloated and like all that. And up into, you know, through this whole point, I definitely had, uh, you know, what I called the butterflies, you know, the butterflies there. And I was, you know, but that was, you know, nothing too bad. Just everything that I've gone through when I was a kid competing, nothing, nothing too big. You just, you just deal with it kind of thing. And then I was in and, uh, it was really, you know, I thought this was like probably one of the cooler moments was I had, you know, Paul came to the edge of that, that competitor waiting area and he asked me like, what mat are you going to be on? And I pointed to the mat mm-hmm. just over there. I was like, Hey, that, you know, I'll be on that mat right there. He's like, okay, good. And they came in closer 
and he gave me the only piece of coaching I got, <laughs> which was, he's like, so don't be afraid to push the pace. He says, you've got good wind. He's like, you know, once you get settled, don't get caught in anything crazy at the beginning, but once you feel comfortable, don't be afraid to push the pace. You got the wind to, to do it, and these guys probably won't be able to keep up. Nice. And that was, that was just what I needed to hear. Right. You know, that's like, fuck yeah, man. You know, I can, there's a, there's a, there's like a, a story, like a, I don't know if it's a, if it's true, but it's like an old wild tale about the horse secretariat, you know, that won the triple crown that everyone loved. It was the one that had the, won the triple crown, uh, for a very long period of time in recent, like we're talking about decades no horse had won the triple crown since secretary. I think recently a, a horse did, and that was kind of a big deal. But, you know, secretary, this really famous horse, and when he's about to go on the third race, so that the triple crown, as they win three major, you know, yeah, the, tournament, the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, and the Preakness. I don't know which order, you know, right. it is. I think the Belmont Stakes is the last one. But, you know, the the trainer just tells the... One of the the story goes, and again, this is kind of I think more of an old wife tale, but it, I think the analogy you'll get is just sort of like, just let the horse. It's like this is the last race. He doesn't have another race after this. Just let the horse let the horse go. See how fast yeah, you know. Yeah. See how he goes. Just just let him go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's see how far he can push it. And that's how I kind of felt. I was like, fuck, you know, let's right. let's push it. You know? swing away. Yeah, you know, you got the green light. Go. You know, see see what happens. So. Within, within about five minutes or less, they called me, which was faster than I expected. So I went on uh, 20 minutes earlier than I expected, probably. Mm. Even though I was like at the bottom of the call sheet, the fact that I think me and my opponent had checked in relatively early, they're like, okay, these two fighters are ready, or these two competitors are ready. Get them on the mat, just so it's done. So they called us. The, uh, they led me, you know, went to the mat, put my shoes there, did my little warm-up focusing ritual. Um, and I stepped on the mat, man. The ref called me on the mat, stepped on, I shook his hand. I shook my opponent's hand and we went to it. Yes. So it was, uh, I mean, you've seen the match. <laughs> Anyone who's friends with me on Instagram, you can see the match. It's not that long. <laughs> so I, um, I was ready to go right away. I mean, in the sense that I, I'm glad I had that one tournament before because I always remember how jarring it was. They call you and it's like, okay, go. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, like, you that's it. You sound like you're in class. Yeah, every sort of like com competitive event, there's always some buildup to the start. It's not just like, all right, A, B, on the, okay, go. There's always <laughs> some sort of like ritual or something that leads you into it, you know? Yeah. This was just like, okay, go, kombachi. <laughs> but this time I was, so it was like, you know, I shook the guy's hand ahead of time, made some space. The guy said combate, and I was just like, all right, let's go. And I circled a little bit just to get loose, you know, move. He, the guy kind of just stood there. Uh, went in to do some grip fighting. He started opening my lapel, trying to, like, flick open my lapel. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this guy's a little weird. So, you know, my, my strategy going in, I had a, cure, a clear game plan of, you know, pulling Dele Eva the minute I get the grips. I uh, I got the grips. I immediately pulled De La Hiva. I immediately went to off-balance him one way or the other. Um, I almost got him down. 
I might have. I mean, I I did not get an advantage, but I I got him on his. I got him down a little bit on a a single leg X sweep. You know, an off balance. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't go down. I didn't come up. I do remember Paul saying, "Get up, get up, get up," and I I didn't get up. And we ended up in half guard. I just remember seeing a a gap to guy to dive up for an underhook. And I just I always told myself going into this, it's like you can't hesitate. You've got to always go and yeah. always be pushing. Don't don't settle. Like that was a big thing. Don't settle. So I immediately saw that. I dug an underhook, and things kind of took over. I like it was funny. Like I watched the video and I know I can see what happened. I ended up getting a coyote hook. I got the underhook. I got a coy- I switched my feet to get a coyote hook on his leg. Um. I was trying to, and I and I took my other hand and scooped his foot and heel, so I was pulling that in, so I was taking away his base. I was looking to roll him, but I wanted to come up a little bit first to create the pressure so I could roll the other way, yeah. and he just went down, so I just kept coming up. Like, I just felt him go, so I just came up, Right. and then he turned away and gave me his back, so I went from a tight waist to just both hands around his waist. And he's kind of in that position that UFC fighters are in when they don't want to get kneed to the head. So they put both their hands on the ground. They're like, they're bending over and they put, they've yeah, got yeah, their feet yeah. on the ground and their hands on the ground. So you can't, you can't hit my head. You yeah. know, you can't try. Tripod, tripod, yeah, you know, and I just hopped on his back. I, for a second, I thought I might slide off. And I was like, just don't slide off his fucking His back. hips were higher than his head, right? Yes. Yeah, his yeah. hips were higher than his head. And I got my hooks in and I was on his back. And that was 45 seconds into the match. <laughs> and I looked over, and I saw the score was 6-0. And at that point, I was just, I was focused on making sure my head was, I was ear-to-ear with him. Mm-hmm. And I had lapel grips. I, I, I gave a try at a, at a cross choke real quick. The guy was holding my, you know, the kill hand side uh, yeah. very well. So there was still more than four minutes left. <laughs> so I, I just, I remember very vividly saying, all right, let's, let's be smart here. Lock up a body triangle and get to work. But lock up a body triangle so you don't, this guy can't get out. Yeah. And uh, I locked the body triangle. We, which was on the top side, we then rolled and now the, the the triangle foot was on the bottom side and I'm just kind of there and I'm, I'm starting to work and I start to feel this odd pressure on, uh, on my foot and I'm like, Oh fuck my foot strap. And then I feel inside heel hook pressure on my leg, right. both of my knee and my foot. I feel my ankle pop twice. Brap. And I'm like, as this is happening, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, like right before that happened, I'm like, wait, 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 what the fuck's going on? And then, crack, crack in my foot. And, and I'm trying to extract my foot. I'm like, at this point, I'm just, I'm like, okay, my foot's gone, but I need to get my foot out. And then I can operate. Like, I, I, right, in right. my mind, I, I've, I've heard all these jujitsu people say people let their foots go all the time because they know you can recover from it. So in my mind, I was like, I'm not fucked. I, I didn't think about like my next match or anything. I just knew that like my foot popping is not catastrophic. Right, right. Right. The knee is scary though. Yes. So I'm trying to strap my foot. I feel my knee 
pop, like I feel Ugh. boom in the inside of my knee. Yeah. I scream, I tap, stop, and I curse fuck loudly. <laughs> and I'm just kind of crumpled on the mat, just freaking out that oh, man. I was like, did I just fuck up my ACL or MCL right, right. or something? And um, the ref came over. And I'm just, I'm just like on my side, <laughs> covering my face. There's no crying. There's really no pain, honestly. It's just mental shock yeah. and, and, and just like going through nightmare scenarios in my head. Right, right, right. And the ref comes over. He's like, you okay, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so I, uh, I guess I'm not down there that long. It felt like a long time that I was there. And I, um, the guy said, you need help getting up. And I was like, yeah. So he helped me get up. I'm just hopping. I can't put yeah. any weight on my leg. I'm, I, I, so I hop over the guy, um, the ref, you know, raises the guy's hands, raises the guy's hands. You know, they face him both ways. There's no audience, but it's like one way, turn around the other way. So yeah. I hop around the other way, <laughs> you know, he brings, you know, he, they always bring the two competitors together to shake. So he like brings us together. The guy said something along the lines of my opponent said, uh, you were really strong <laughs> or something like that. He didn't say it like he said it very sheepishly. You right. know what I mean? So he was pretty, he was quite a bit taller than you. He was right? very, he was very lanky. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't too much taller than me, but yeah, he was an inch or two taller yeah. than me, you know? So then I, I hopped into this little area that they had for the trainer and the trainer there took a look at my knee. It was extremely tender. She did some stability testing, I guess. She pushed it in the direction I, it did not want to be pushed, Oof. you know. And she said, I think you should, I think you're okay. Like, it, it feels okay. At that point, I was, I don't know how much confidence I had in anything at that point. I was just kind of emotional, not in the sense of, again, crying, but just emotional in terms of just a lot of thoughts going through my mind. It's like, I just need to process this and accept it. Yeah. You know, so she gave me some ice <laughs> and then I hopped out, <laughs> went back to where I was, <laughs> put the ice on, <laughs> just kind of sat there <laughs> and processed the whole thing. I shot a whole bunch of fucking Instagram videos. If anyone's friends with me on Instagram, you got like, like five to a 10 lot minutes. Of, of, a lot of stream of consciousness. A lot, yeah. A lot yeah. of stream of consciousness. You did get an update on that. Um, before I go into the, like what happened to my knee and, and all that. I say the, the funniest thing of the whole thing was that Paul completely missed it. He's watching the whole match. He completely missed what happened because he said, and I quote, I was already looking for the gi of like a Carlson Gracie gi on another mat to, to see who your next opponent was because he's like, oh, that's a wrap. He's in his best position on the guy's back. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> so Carts and horses and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. So he's like, all right, let, let's, let's look ahead now. This one's over. Well, it's over, but not for the right reason. So um, the postmortem is uh, first about the knee. I had Mike, our resident doctor, Mike, who works with knees all the time, take a look at my knee a couple of days later or a day later and did stability tests on him. He Rather, he did stability tests on me. And uh, he said, you know, knee feels solid and intact. It looks uh, very much like an MCL sprain. So I don't know what grade of a sprain it is, but probably two to three, two to four weeks is general estimate. I've been, 
I've had significant improvement in the first few days just to go from not being able to put any weight on it to being able to put weight on it and walk. Yeah. Um, my foot was fucked up too, but I'm familiar with like ankle sprains and those kind of injuries. So that's on, that's, that'll probably nag me a little bit, but I can put weight on it again on that foot and you know, it is what it is, but I've rolled my ankle enough that I, I know I'm okay. It might take a little longer, might take a little less, but it'll be fine. The knee, I haven't experienced an injury like this before. It's still very sore and will stiffen up, but does not stiffen up as much as it did earlier on in the week. Have you started noticing a pattern of which, if you just kind of like turn one way or the other and you're like, oh, oh, wait, I forgot about that. Like, oh, yeah. It's definitely, you know, I mean, obviously, any if, if I were to have my knee at an at a 90 degree angle and to pay pressure, if I put pressure on the outside of my knee yeah, to yeah. push my knee inward, therefore expanding the inside of my knee, that's where the soreness sure. is. So it's still very sore when I press it. Um, but, uh, you know, as we we're talking off uh, off air right before we started, like I, I went into the gym and, and deadlifted a little bit with lighter weights, but that didn't seem to aggregate it. And I've been doing a lot of rehab work to keep the mobility going in the area, get blood flowing. So um, I don't know if I had had this, in, not, not that I wish I had this injury before, but I don't know how I'm netting out in terms of recovery yet. I definitely feel like I'm very thankful. Well, I'm hugely thankful that my knee is intact, <laughs> like beyond, beyond thankful. Like that's out of anything, like whatever happens with the matches, whatever it's just that I'll be able to, you know, that I escape this without serious yeah. injury is, is, is massive. So, um, whether it takes, you know, another week, whether it takes another six weeks or another eight weeks, you know, th that is going to be a finite amount of time and I'll be fine. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't know where I am in the recovery because I can't compare it to any other recovery I've had because I haven't had any injury before. Whereas with the foot, I can say it's on pace. You know, I've yeah. had it before and I'm okay. But, um, but yeah, I'm using this time to watch the guys, uh, just, you know, watch guys train. So I've been coming to the gym every day, watching them. Watching staying class, engaged, staying engaged, That's and it lets me go back to the gym and lift and put that weight on again that I lift that I lost, and you know, um, give my my body a change of doing this high intensity kind of cardio stuff and work on gaining weight, building muscle back, and, and getting strong. Because um, I appreciate having a few more pounds on my body and a little bit more muscle mass, just just to go with the guys that are bigger, like, yeah. You know, so yeah. All in all. It was a tremendous learning experience, and again, super thankful that I could have a learning experience like this without having to pay such a harsh price. Yeah. So it was. Uh, <laughs> so it was good. I, I I talked a lot about in my Instagram on those stories about the perils of bottom side triangle body triangles. Yeah. So don't do body bottom side body triangles. I learned the hard way. What the guy did was a legitimate technique. Um, I do think he knew the technique and was doing it. And I think he was probably a little sheepish that it worked and that it caught me. Um, Victor doesn't think the guy knew the technique and he just was like Freaking happened out. to be yeah. pushed, you know, on the area. But um, when you're in a body triangle, you've essentially stationed, you know, one of your foot in place and put a lever on it. So you got to be a little careful with yeah. that. So I learned that lesson the hard way. Um you know, live and learn. It's one of those techniques where you get caught in it once and then you probably won't get caught in it again. Yeah, yeah. It just so happened that, you know, uh, I don't think I was wrong. Looking back, I don't think I was wrong in putting on the body triangle. Just 
I was wrong and the only thing that went wrong is I didn't know the perils of going bottom side with that. Right. You know, if I did, I would have not let that happen. As a secondary observation, I do think I could have been a little more aggressive uh, attacking a submission of the neck right out the gate. But I don't think making the decision to say, let me lock up a body triangle and work was necessarily bad. It, I think that's also a good choice. It's just that I was pretty damn surprised to be on the guy's back that quickly. Yeah. So I was pretty... like, let me gather myself and work. Whereas a more experienced me would have probably just said, I, in my head, I would have had the sequence going beyond taking the back like for right. example like i had a game plan of how i was going to open the match i opened with it and it worked and i don't even i didn't even have it budgeted towards then you'll take the back right, right. you know what i mean so in a way i need to be prepared to go you know instead of five steps i need to be ready for a 10 step sequence you know that yeah. ends with the kill so to speak so that's the other thing i i kind of learned or actually, it doesn't even tell. That's like a tangent. Yeah, of but yeah. the thing was, is like, I wasn't training for, you land on the guy's back, immediately put him out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, I, if I get there, I'll get there and figure it out. Let me work on this other stuff first. So, Well, you're, you're also expecting the person to not let that happen, because right? they should be defending yeah. that. I mean. But again, I think that's the only other, that's the other takeaway I'd say from that is like, I think I, you can always, the more you're attacking their neck, the less they can use their hands to do anything else. Right. So I could technically, I think, have a bottom side triangle, but if I was madly attacking the guy's neck, he's going to go. He's not going to yeah, work. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he can't. Like, the fact that I settled gave him a chance to gather himself a little yeah. bit and think. He did try to cross my feet, I'm pretty sure, did he? before um, I put on the body triangle, which actually led me to put on the body triangle a little bit. So maybe he has a little system of... That's like, that's a <laughs> weird system. game plan. <laughs> <system>. <laughs> so... Yeah, man, it was, uh, I watched the video back, you know, I, I think now that I've, you know, I, I'm, you know, very, pretty damn confident that my knee, you know, escaped damage. Um, I'd say the only disappointing thing is that I felt so good for only 45 seconds, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I. I don't think I put in, you know, I, obviously I prepared for it. I, I'm not going to say that I was like, oh, I sacrificed. And I did that. Like I, I went through the process of preparing. I enjoyed preparing. But there was work involved. There was discipline involved to some degree. Nothing out of the ordinary, you know. Right. I, you know, I don't, it wasn't a monumental effort by any means, but it was some discipline. And for it to have succeeded so well in terms of how I felt and how I looked at the beginning, in terms of how I felt energy-wise, how I felt strength-wise, I felt stronger than the guy. I felt bigger than everybody in that in that division, and I just felt I felt I felt good. I felt good movement-wise, and I felt good mentally. And and I and I achieved the state that I was hoping to achieve, which was the guy said, you know, go like combate, and my ready, my body was turned on and active and alert and high energy, but my mind was was processing and seeing things. Yeah, yeah. You know, my mind wasn't getting wrapped up in the adrenaline of the moment. You know, my body was there energy-wise, but my mind was relatively calm. And I did what I wanted to do, and it, and it, and it worked. And I just, it would have been nice to 
feel that good for a couple <laughs> matches, you know, and enjoy that high of like, damn, you know, this is kind of working for more than 45 seconds. <laughs> I mean, the, the match all told was, I think, 55 seconds, you know. So once I got the guy down, I think it took me 40, like 20 seconds of circling, not even that, maybe 15 seconds of grip fighting, yeah. circling, and then. I I'm surprised it, that it you you had engaged and executed that quickly because a lot of, how much of jujitsu competition do you see where they're just sitting there like just jacket wrestling for ever, you know, mm-hmm. that you just, you, you went for it, right? Like I, I how much that was just, instinct and drilling and and you had just done it how many like honestly how many reps of that had you done with victor and and whatnot or did you just have it so set in your head no i i repped that with victor every day you did going up to it that was that was part of the game plan okay you know i mean then there like i i i kind of and and i had a realization the night before or later that week so again i competed on friday my last hard training was Saturday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So S- Sunday, Monday. So Saturday I train hard. Sunday, Monday I'm off completely. Right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I drill with Victor and then Friday I compete. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we went through the same drilling routine and towards the end it was guard pull, Delahiva guard pulls into attacks. And I did that, you know, we drilled between 30 and 45 minutes each of those days. Yeah. It got shorter each day and the intensity went down slightly each day. But it was still very up-tempo. Right, right. But I, I drilled that. That's what, again, like the game plan worked better than I expected. Better than you expected? Yeah. Why is that? Because I've, I've done it here and I've gotten resistance, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I guess when people know that's what you're doing, then they can anticipate it when you're going with someone that has no idea what that's you're doing. True. You have the element of surprise. Yeah, he's, he's probably thinking, quite frankly, you're going to pull, like, close guard. I mean, like, that, that's yeah. what people are a lot of people yeah. are A lot of people are pulling close guard. So, yeah, my, my idea was, look, uh, you know, I, I don't have a wrestling background. Yeah. I, I, quite frankly, suck on my feet, you know. And I know a lot of jujitsu people suck on their feet, but... Um, you know, I got to be pragmatic and know what my strengths and, and weaknesses are. And my strength is not wrestling or judo. So I was thinking earlier in the week, you know, I'll, I'll lock up with the guy. And if he feels weak, then maybe I might try to take him down. Otherwise, I'll pull guard. Yeah. But then later in the week, I just said, no, why, why are you giving your opponent any time while you're figuring out what you want to do? You've been practicing guard pulls into attacks. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. That's what you're going to do. Even if you're going against the worst wrestler in the tournament, you're going to do what you've been practicing. Don't suddenly do something you haven't been practicing. So that was the right call. Um, uh, the fact that the guy was f- trying to open my lapel to start doing something only accelerated my desire to pull guard the minute I got grips because I was like, I don't want him to pull me into some weird lapel stuff yeah right let me um, let me just uh, let me let me beat him to the punch so i beat him to the punch and and what's crazy is i didn't like the there was not like i didn't remember going into half guard after the match like i don't remember that that scramble part i remember pulling i remember attempting to take him down with a single leg x off balance and then it's kind of a blur and i just remember coming up onto his back so I was very pleased with how all the stuff I've 
practiced came into play second nature in the moment when uh, it was just instinctual. So yeah. muscle memory kind of stuff. And, and I do remember, like I said, I remember being in a position and seeing I can get an underhook. Right. Go. And I just went. Me going into the coyote hook and, and grabbing the leg, that's just kind of second nature because that's just kind of what I do when I go into half guard. Mm. So, so yeah, what did you think when you saw it? <laughs> you um, saw the video. You weren't there. It was there. quick. I mean, like like you said, it's, it's a, a lot can happen in 45 seconds. Um, so I, I, I'd seen Paul post, uh, a little Instagram story of like, Oh, Noah John's up. And so like, I don't know how late to the game I was, but then I was messaging him immediately cause I wasn't going to bother you. Right. Like I don't want to bother the person who's actually competing on the day of competition. Cause it's just one more thing for you to worry about is just why the fuck is Chris Vu texting me or whatever it is. I didn't get any responses. And so obviously, well, that's, I mean, that's a given, right? Um, but then I had seen your story. I was like, Oh, Oh, and it's when you, at that point you're like heads against the wall and I, I hear the entire show. I'm like, Oh man. So, um, my concern at that point is like, Oh geez, like what the hell is wrong with his knee? You know, like that's, that's terrible. But just because like, it's just, that's not something you want to happen to you in jujitsu is to have like a, a non-functioning knee. But uh, eventually, I just kind of watched it over and over, like just like see, hearing your stream of consciousness, and then I was like, just so, I was hurt for you, man. Like you know, like <laughs> it, it, it's. Um, Joey had a funny story. So like, a fair number of people at the gym actually have access to Flow Grappling, right? And I was on Flow Grappling because they they show all the matches there, and so Joey's like, yeah, man, I want to watch you. So he said, he told me he's like. Man, he's like, I had the shot poured and everything. I was like jumping up and down. <laughs> like he was on his back. I was like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so then Victor was there and he chimed in. He's like, yeah, man, at that point you're like, we must now pour out a shot from one of the fallen, yeah, like, <laughs> one of our fallen comrades. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's just, it's one of those things like fool me once, right? Like that, I, I told you afterwards, like that's, I had tapped to that before too, and it, it ain't gonna happen again. Right? Or it yeah. didn't happen again, right? And that was probably eight years ago. Um, it's just a it's a silly thing, and I feel bad that it happened to you, especially in the midst of you winning the competition at that moment. Um, and so that was a little bit of disappointment on my and for you, you know, like just like just the I felt I felt your pain, I guess, yeah. you know, for something that seems so silly. Um. But ultimately, like, I'm glad you're okay. Like, that's the most important part, right? Like, yeah, man. I mean, and honestly, I'm not, like, with the amount of training I put in going into the tournament, it's not like, and just throughout, you know, through this year, it's not like, you know, when I was earlier, I thought I'd been training that long, but as a white belt or early in a blue belt, I would probably be a little more frustrated to not train, but I can, I'm comfortable with, like, a little downtime because the downtime is not downtime. The downtime is... I just can't roll, right? but I can still do stuff and I can still, you know, maybe help others if, if I see something that I could be like, Hey, maybe try this. Um, and I can work out in the gym. So, yeah. you know, I can stay active both mind and body. So that's good. How did it feel with deadlifting? Um, cause I mean, it's more of a hip movement I mean, you're not squatting. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not initiating the movement with my legs as much as I should or normally would just mm -hmm. because I don't want to 
you know, there's some confidence issues probably just in the knee, but I don't need to bend the knee enough where it would be, it would feel weird because I can do full range of motion with my knee. It's just, I can't do it at normal speed. Okay. So I would say do it somewhat gingerly. So if I'm doing it right now, it's like, all right, that's like, I got to don't do it. Jesus. Like, no, but I mean, uh, it's like, it's a little stiff to go straight initially and then you bring it in and it goes a little slow and then you can bring it all the way right, in. Right. Whereas this one I can go, I can do yeah, this. Yeah. Like I don't want to kick with my leg right no, now. No, right. Certainly not. So <clears throat> in terms of doing a deadlift, I'm only bending it. God, not even 90 degrees. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, in that respect, I think that's why it was okay. And of course there's no lateral movement. Yeah. yeah you know? And I'm not, I'm not trying to sumo squat. You know, yeah, if I yeah. sumo squat, that might be a little more awkward. So again, it wasn't, I didn't go heavy, but again, I'm, I did over 200 pounds, okay. you know? So, I mean, there is weight, maybe not the weight that I would want to do it at, you know, the top end, but still, um, yeah, it, baby steps, man. And I, I already have done leg extensions, like single, like with the machine with no weight, I've done yeah. one legged leg extensions and that helps with the range of motion and stuff. So yeah, it, it's just sore. You know, and and I looked, I've looked at things, and I'm, you know, I can just see it's like this, this ligament, it's like it, it's it's sustained damage, and it's just sore, and it needs time to heal, and however long it's going to take, it's going to take, but it's got to make sure I keep stretching the area so it doesn't heal up too tight. Right. So I have to like, develop like scar yeah. tissue and whatnot. Yeah, that kind of thing. Good. I'm glad that I'm glad I, you're staying active with it too. Oh yeah, I'm like I'm the, very lucky, and I'm lucky to have guys like Mike at the gym that can give me their expertise without having to go to an office. I was there, like, <laughs> it's like, what policy number are you on there? Noah? Exactly. Available hours, baby. Um, good man. I'm glad you're feeling better. Like that's, I'm glad you had some time to process it. And I'm glad you're using your, your downtime productively too. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of people would approach this a little bit more mopily, you know, but you're, well, there's relief for me. Like, I'm just relieved because I, you know. that, yeah, like it's not worse. Yeah, right? like, it's, it's like if you if you gave me two options, that you always take this option. I, I mean, the option is don't get hurt, but if if the if this is like I feel my knee pop, yeah, and I and I feel boom, yeah, oh yeah, you know that like twang, yeah, right? like, boom, yeah. and that, yeah, the fact being out a, a number of weeks because of a sprain, I'll take that any right, day right. over a tear, you know, a complete and, tear. And and you're approaching it like you're not like. I'll just wrap it up and I'll be back on the mat. Like that's, that would be dumb, you know? Like, well, yeah, no, my body won't like it just, it won't allow it right now. Yeah. You know, but I can walk okay now. So that's good. So it's, it's, you know, meaning, you know, at the beginning I was like, fuck, am I going to need crutches or am I going to need a roller? Cause just getting around the house and doing normal things was right. awkward, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, you know, but I can do that. So now I can function normally. And really the only thing that I'm deprived of is, you know, that athletic demands of doing yeah. of doing jujitsu, which sucks, but that'll come back. So, are you going to uh, which which tapes are you going to study next? Then you know, I, so I was telling David this actually. I, I think I want to mess around with monoplatas now when I come back. I okay. So first off, what the fuck is a mono? I don't know who came up with a name for it, but it basically it's a it's a shoulder lock attack that comes from most commonly the that mounted position we get when a guy tries to um, lift his underhook from side control. Okay. So when the guy on bottom lifts his hook, his underhook from side control, if he has an underhook and he lifts it, that allows us to just step over into mount. And Paul right. and, a, and a lot of teachers teach, you don't go to mount, 
you you go to mount, but you don't go to knee on knee both knees on ground. You actually post the the, the one that you're you step stepping over. over. You post and trap the underhook arm yeah. in the pocket of your hip mm-hmm. pocket, right? Well, what you would do to do in go-go pilata where you put the shin in front of the face yeah they'll step it the leg that you stepped over yeah you take now that go in front of the face, it over their yeah. shoulder and, and then you yeah. can f- roll into a go-go pilata well monopilata is from that exact same position you you put your leg over the head mm-hmm. so your shin is now going across their neck but then you slide out like you're like you would slide out to do an arm bar but mm-hmm. his arms trap so you end up using your hip as the lever oh. to uh shoulder lock him and if the guy manages to twist his hand up then you stick the arm then you have an arm bar yeah. in the armpit which is yeah which the, the is most awesome. devastating yeah. Yeah, yeah so i mean i was like this is kind of cool so so what what made you think of that there um because that's i mean like I, that, that's honestly, a super specific so instagram came up instagram played into it a little bit and i saw galval talk about it and then uh i just realized like i get into that position and i end up going for this shitty gogo pilata and this seems so much cleaner so yeah. i just want to <laughs> mess with that and in terms of guards Dave and I were talking about finally doing lapel. Like, I think I might want to take a break from half guard now. I mean, you, you are a subscribing member to the ever evolving. <laughs> I know. I know. So we'll see. Um, I really enjoy half guard. I'm really happy that I spent, you know, the last six to eight months, however long it's been just focusing on funneling that guard and feeling yeah. it. I'm by no means an expert, but I'm proficient enough that, I feel okay in it, especially, you know, whether I want to force it or as my goal was, if I ever land in it, I can do more than just hold the position, you know, mm. and that, that was kind of my thought process. I don't know if this is going to be the, the guard I prefer, but it's a guard that comes up so frequently that I need to be comfortable with it. So I did do that. So maybe I'll do some Delaheva cause I was pulling to Delaheva and attacking. Maybe it'll be, uh, uh, it's probably either going to be Delaheva or it's going to be, um, lapel guard and I think I think what's cool about doing Delaheva honestly and why I think Delaheva would be the way I go is just because it fits better into half guard what, what I'm doing and it gives me more la- like I'm starting to actually see uh, layers of guard now like I, I understood it but now I'm starting to see it and how it can work because when I'm in half guard a lot of times people um, bring my knee up. So, and essentially they force me into reverse De La Hiva. Well, from a, a lot of times from reverse De La Hiva, if they want to stand up a little more, now they're giving me De La Hiva. So in essence, they're backing out of my guard right. and they're going into a more distance guard. So if I practice De La Hiva, that, that allows me to be more aggressive with guard play from distance. And if they get by that layer, they get into half guard, which I have some experience in or vice versa. If they start backing out, I can punish them by going. So I'm starting to see how, yeah, you know, Zanji Ribeiro has a great half guard. But when I watch him, he's doing close guard. He's doing half guard. He's, yeah. doing, like he's doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? There might be a position that he's better in, but to play guard, it's not like you just play the one guard because there are exits out of those guards. Yeah. And you gotta, but they can go into other guards. It's not like they pass. Like, one thing is they pass. Another is they back out. And if... You don't have the guard that they're backing out into well, then in a way they're smart. They're, they're putting you in a guard you're less proficient in. So I, w- I probably want to go back to De La Hiva and, you know, mess around with, you know, how that feels. And then if, you know, if they get by it, fine. 
I'm in half guard now. I'm comfortable in half guard. Right. So uh, it's kind of cool how that's how this progression, how this is like allowing me to learn, but also almost like a video game character, like a, a role playing character, like like oh, you've reached level ten in guard retention. Allocate a new guard. Yeah, you know what I mean? where like do you start a new skill tree? You know what I mean? Where, yeah, like <laughs> how far do you want to take it? Do you want to just do you want to keep on putting stat yeah. points to that guard or do you want to, you know, branch yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to make a tank or do you want to make a, you know. So there's uh, there's that component. And I mean, I think lapel girl, I definitely want to learn. It just doesn't plug in as nicely right now in my head. And I still don't. It probably doesn't. Um, it's its own kind of thing. But I do like it instead of playing um, spider or lasso because I just. It, I, it's lapel guard is yeah. healthier for your fingers yeah. and it's just a stronger lapel grip you know it's a little hard to get into but it's just stronger so if i want to do lapel shenanigans i'd prefer probably to do lapel related stuff instead of spider lasso right. even though i like spider and lasso i just i think lapel makes more sense honestly so that's kind of and I'm sure there's more. Sh- oh, and then also just there's like so some passing. Stuff. There's also just some pass, like some passes I want to try, you know, some half guard passing. So, yes, David, I've been studying how to pass your butterfly half a little bit. So be ready. <laughs> so what else is there, Chris? Uh, <laughs> We're talking not, about not guard much. work here. <laughs> um, what's that? We're talking about guard work here and layers of guard. What uh, What's doing your... so? I don't know how interesting this is for the podcast, but what's your car situation like? Um, it is now functioning <laughs> at 100% capacity, as far as I can tell. Um, I had to get the ABS system replaced, God. which was not cheap at all. And it kept you off the mats this week. It kept me off the mats completely. I was I was here. I was here Monday, ready to go, right? Yeah. And, and something um, wouldn't turn off. It was like, what's that noise? The car's off. Don't you hear that? And we opened, and, well, you would open it already. It's like, yeah, that thing's making a noise. I was like, have you heard that before? He's like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Car's off. It might be kind of serious. We need to take it in. It's like, oh, fuck. So I took it in, and sure enough, they had to run the scan on it and stuff. Turned out being the ABS module, which is not cheap. Um, and it's also not something you can just overlook because it's like. Yeah, it's the braking system. Yeah, which in turn, I guess, affects somehow the power steering and the, the e-brake, too. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it needed to get replaced. Kept kept me off the mats this week because I was bumming a ride to work. For fortunately, like all of my coworkers live near me, so they were oh really? Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. So like that that was nice. So I got no training in. I got to hit. I got to work. I got to work out at home, which is that's one of those fortunate situations I mm-hmm. have of having a home gym. Did your kickboxing circuits and stuff and lifting. And I I just acquired Titan Fitness is back in stock with barbells. So I was able to acquire a. Uh, I've been on the market for. A, a short barbell because my if you ever see the way my my this is like what people use for curling no no not that short it, it i got a 60 inch one okay and what, what, what's that for what's the purpose of a 60 just so i can deadlift and and not like run the risk of breaking my wife's car's windows oh <laughs> what's the weight of the bar it's only 25 so i have to but the bar it has a capacity of 500 pounds i'm, I'm not deadlifting 500 pounds anytime soon so I just have to, it, it's nice that I can do some straight bar work because I actually gave my, my long bar to the gym, which it's not here now. <laughs> so It's in Paul's garage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, 
but like it's just, I just needed a, a functioning straight bar to to be able to. Because you were only deadlifting with a trap bar. With a trap bar, gotcha. yeah. So it's a definitely a different movement pattern, mm-hmm. you know, because the trap bar is more of like a doing like a squat dead, yeah. if you want to call it that. You know, it's a much more like piston like motion than doing a more of a hip hinge. So I've had to kind of I, I I treat it as like a beginner movement. I'm learning something brand new. Started at like 135, and I'm gonna work up from there. Yeah, because it's just a different movement. Um, and, and just to kind of like give my body something different now, because mm-hmm. I became pretty efficient at, at handling a uh, trap bar. I mean, I spoke to Paul the other day about programming for lifting, and right now he's, you know, his recommendation. He gave me a protocol which, on paper, looks fucking phenomenal. Is it the five three one? Yeah. Yeah, the Wendler. Yeah. yeah. So it's five three one system and you know he's got you know, he got me putting in the calculator stuff in terms of what your one one rep max and, yeah. and then it's calculating all the stuff over a four week so it's four week cycles. And uh you're never getting even close to your max, which is what I've it's like super conservative really in terms of it gets your strength up with ever without you ever doing your one rep max but you're or like, getting close. But it's like But you're building that density. I mean yeah, you do four weeks, and then next week you add ten pounds to your yeah. your max, and then it's going to up everything a little bit. But what's so interesting is to to what you were saying is, I was like, so how often are you changing the apparatus? You know, because I I know Paul likes to do that. So if you're benching with if you're deadlifting with a straight bar, then start deadlifting with a trap bar. Yeah, you know? and is it like every four weeks, every six weeks, every eight weeks? And right now he's doing it every. 12 weeks so three months hmm. so do three months of let's say bench with a straight you know with a straight bar and then maybe switch it to dumbbell press yeah for the next so that's kind of what i'm going to do um i bought myself a, a lifting belt finally because i've oh, really got, yeah just out of curiosity why because dude my lower back fucking twinges on me without Does it really? yeah and and it might be a mental thing, but it, actually it can't be a mental thing because I actually feel it. The fact that I have that tight fucking belt around my waist and that it's pushing against, it allows me to push. It, it, you know, it's, it's essentially like the mechanism how you can climb a wall to get onto your feet without actually standing up. You can just press into the wall and shimmy your way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like with this. So instead of me pressing into nothing, my lower back presses into this solid belt mm-hmm. and gives it stability there. Um and uh dude for all things considered like i dropped the weight noticeably to do deadlifts yesterday while doing this program so they said what's your one rep max i took what i thought my one rep max was and i dropped 100 pounds off it you know what i mean but i still did like 245 or 250 with a bum leg and 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 not deadlifting for a while not deadlifting for at least six weeks and i felt really good Nice. You know, so with the lifting belt, with Whereas the lifting belt, this is the first time you had used it. Yes. Okay. And it just, it just felt good. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, as my knee gets better, kind of ramp that up and, 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 and not that I felt weak on the math, but just feel a little bigger to, to hang with the guys that are, you know, bigger on the mat. So <clears throat> I was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just time, man. You just got to put in the time. Yeah. Especially with jujitsu, man. It's just, there's only, there's a certain speed at which you learn stuff and, you know, you just have to accept it and enjoy it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you want to know, 
so much right off the bat and it just it just takes time and strength and and muscle training i I don't expect to get huge in a month you know this is a 12 month thing minimum you know that you'll see the results it's like yeah in 12 months maybe i could put 60 pounds on a two only at because like as we know like there are different protocols Mm -hmm. for hypertrophy for so my my program is right now the strategy is um half you know three two uh five three one half bro split in the sense that i'm gonna work back legs chest legs shoulders that's probably gonna be the split back legs chest legs shoulders shoulders. so five days a week of lifting yeah it might end up being back chest legs shoulder legs depending on if you know I might not want to put deadlift and le- and legs next to one another because of deadlifting, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. potentially. But with legs, only one of those days is going to be a squat day. The other day will be legs, but it'll be more, maybe a little more conditioning mm-hmm. oriented. But anyway, what a daily what a day workouts look like is I do the power lift first, following the three two the the five three one. Mm-hmm. I do that lift. That protocol, at least that I would be on, has you doing six to seven sets that include warm-ups to working. And then they finish with another seven of lower weight sets of 10, like five sets of 10 reps. Right, right, right. I'm not doing the five sets. That's a lot of volume. Yeah, but that's just if if you're just trying to get strong that one lift. So I'm doing up to that last working set. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing the five by tens okay. afterwards, and then I'm doing uh, other more accessory st- work, more, more auxiliary work at that point. Okay. Um, Paul suggested maybe doing it, getting a heavy row in there from time to time, you know, and I might do that. But so what did I do? I did my deadlifts, and then I did. <clears throat> I actually have it on my phone here, so let me give you the because I'm actually I actually want to write this. I want to try to write it down so I can track progress. Just for because my memory is bad so i did uh my deadlifts and then i did three sets of 12 lat pull downs on the machine at 205 i did three sets of 12 machine row at one machine cable row uh seated at 143 this is after deadlifting yes i did trap rows with press down rope. Okay. I don't know the name of this exercise. I wrote it trap rows with press down rope. So you take the, the face cape, pulls, huh? Face pulls. Yeah. You pull the thing to your face yeah. and you're working the trap. You're contracting yeah. the trap. So you're pulling the thing to your That's forehead. actually really good for your shoulders. Yeah. So, um, I did that, uh, three sets of 15 at 55. I did, uh, back extensions. That's when you're doing all this after deadlifting. Yeah. Three sets of 15. How long extension. are you in the gym, man? Uh, this was actually like an hour. So you're not resting at all. I'm not resting much. Okay. Yeah. So you're, I mean, I'm resting honestly with the, with the, with the deadlift, the resting comes from changing the weight, the plates all the time because they're, they're giving you weird numbers. So it's like, I have to get two, two point five. Yeah. So it's like, like, I'm resting just like the, the, the three minutes it takes to change the plates, you know, it's like, okay, I'm rested, (laughs) you know, and then finally I did, um, I call them, um, back uh dumbbell swings i don't know the name of this there's a name for it it's a really good finisher um you take 
the you, you take a bench you go incline you take an incline bench mm-hmm. you go chest down on it mm-hmm. head over the top and you take dumbbells fully ex- just you let them hang you hang the dumb you hold them and hang and then you use your back to pull them apart so you try to do a fly using your back but because it's so heavy the movement is very minimal right and you're using your back muscles to try to do a fly and then prevent the 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 dumbbells sure. from hitting each other you don't want them to go clunking into each other so did you make that up no paul showed me this and i've, I've seen bodybuilders do this actually it, it gives you a huge pump to your back hmm. to like around your shoulder blades area yeah, it just, yeah. so i did that to finish and then I, that was it it sounds like a very rhomboid movement yeah it is right like the little little bat symbol mm-hmm. in exactly. the middle of your back there exactly so. probably under under or over neglected probably to uh for jujitsu purposes yeah. And you're doing all this in for your back. And that that's I I <laughs> I feel as though overtraining is going to set in if you're doing that every week. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Adjust accordingly. What do they say? There's never overtraining, it's under recovery. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Under resting. I'll just have to take more naps, bro. I guess so. <laughs> um cool. So that's the protocol and then I'll I'll do the same thing. And and I'll I'll do this and then I'll probably show it to Paul and because Paul is actually extremely knowledgeable when it comes to programming. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been... I mean, I think he's... But he, he not only has he been doing it for a long time, but he actually is into it, you know. And everybody he's, like, he's been working out with... You know, he's been working with Ashley. Ashley's going to put, like, 150 pounds on her deadlift because really? of him. Eli's put 100 pounds on his deadlift working out with Paul. Like, and I'm not saying Paul's the one who invented this stuff, but Paul knows what protocols work yeah and gets them on it so a big part of i think protocols are as with everything is accountability and actually executing it right and i i found that super you know what's amazing is i get why people like personal training and personalized programs because dude it was so much easier to just have my phone and be like yeah I had my screenshot of what I was going to do for deadlifts. I was like, okay, uh, three sets of this. Okay. And I just, I put on the weight and I did it. And I didn't think about like, do I feel too tired? Do I not feel too, t- like, was that too hard? Was that not hard enough? It was just, just do it. And when it's five reps, like I knocked this out. Granted, I dropped the weight. So it, it should have felt easier for me to do all the way across. But still, mentally, it's totally different when, you're the one setting the weight and you're kind of doing that intuitive thing. Like, yeah. And my jumps were way too big compared to what these jumps were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and it's just like, Oh, that was easy. Boom. Done. I was like, that's all I have to do. And I, I even noticed it when I was working out with Paul and I was doing heavier weight in the deadlifts, I was not getting as tired because I, you know, I always associated hypertrophy with working out. Like you have to go to exhaustion and failure. To do strength training, you don't need to go to failure. You you do the reps, and you're not necessarily completely killed. Right, because you you're know? training the skill of strength. Bingo. Not necessarily exactly. the, the muscles behind it. Yeah. Hypertrophy can come, I mean, with, with higher, I mean, it requires higher reps, yeah. right? So, so yeah, I was definitely, like, I had been raised, I mean, shit, I bought the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding of, a, the encyclopedia a, a bodybuilding back in the day you the know? one the, the black and white the one black with him white, curling the, on yeah, the oh that's awesome that, that that's book. a great book dude oh it's an amazing it's book. a nice book it's a nice looking oh, book as well oh it's, it's yeah it's awesome um I, I still have my copy 
and and Joe Weeders. I don't have any Joe Weeder thing. The no. Weeder one is is awesome because it's just a giant collection of probably Flex magazine oh, really? articles and like. It's just, just you just, open that you open those books and you like you start to feel small. You get like body dysmorphia. Oh hell yeah, you man! You get like, bad body dysmorphia. You start looking at Dorian Yates and you're like, yeah, that looks normal. Like I look so puny. <laughs> It's like, was, dude, the, the, so the the Weeder book that I have, I mean, it doesn't have Yates in it. It has like, like Platts and like Menser, like the eighties, nineties body, yeah. like early nineties bodybuilders. So those are they're not they weren't quite to the mass monster uh, phase of bodybuilding yet. So HGH, I don't think it entered the picture. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, like you definitely. That's I mean, I I think I purchased those when I was like getting into weightlifting like in the middle and towards the end of high school where, cause we all go through this phases, right? Well, the, here's the thing. It's like, there's a, when I was a kid, right? It was the, the two images I saw was of strong were guys like Arnold, the bodybuilders, classic era guys, or like big fat wrestlers or right? big fat power lifters on the world's strongest man. Oh, okay. That had enough. like big barrel gut, like, um, Oh, what's that guy's name? He's the Magnus Vermagnuson. Well, those guys, like but that? the American yeah. guy, I can't think of the guy's Bill name. Bill Kazmaier? Yeah, Kazmaier. Like yeah, guys yeah, like yeah. Bill Kazmaier, right? Like barrel chested. So obviously I was like, I want the aesthetic. I want the strong guy that's aesthetic looking. So yeah. You want to be the Putinowski? Yeah. Nobody looked like what a CrossFit athlete looked like. That body image didn't really exist. Right. Athletes were starting to look like that. But because there that, was the stigma attached of weight li- weightlifting makes you slow was the stigma then. So. And also, athletes were not as big and muscular as they are now. Right. They were very much skill development. You know, like even football. If, if you look at football players, like in the what was it? It was like when the Cowboys came. When the Cowboys had that run where they won two Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson, another one with Barry You're Switzer. You're doesn't watch football. I know, so. but this is, in, this is like 92 or 93. Was that like Troy Aikman? Yeah, Troy guy? Aikman okay. and stuff. Anyway, the big deal was their offense, they had offensive linemen, they were over 300 pounds, you know, because offensive linemen up until that point were, they were heavy guys, but they were 200-pound guys. They weren't 300 pounds. Hmm. Now offensive linemen are like 6'3", 350, 360, you know, Athletes are getting bigger just because 360? of 360? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Now, they're getting bigger human beings, but they're also... They have uh, the athleticism. There's athleticism. Yeah. And they're not like before, big guys were fat. Now, they're big guys that, yeah, they their body fat percentage isn't great. But there's but a whole lot of muscle under there's that. There's a lot yeah. of fucking muscle under that. Um, so, there's actually interesting articles about um, offensive linemen that um, have gotten, have retired and have dropped like 80 pounds 90 pounds and they look like endurance runners or crossfit athletes now really yeah so they work to keep their weight on because they're spending massive amounts of energy and they have to consume massive amounts of food so their job was to eat food to keep their weight up and now in terms of longevity and being healthy you know they and it was crazy is how skinny they end up looking you know I mean, Granted, already like they're, they're going to probably whatever. highlight the, the extreme case where they turn into an Ironman athlete. But yeah. still, you know, um, bottom line is that CrossFit body where you have guys that have, you know, and girls, but it's like you have abs, you have shoulders, but you don't have the, the, the necessarily the mass of the, the, and, and the aesthetics of a bodybuilder, especially classic physique, but you don't have 
the a lot of them are getting testing, there though. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just um, they're these athletes that look strong, but they don't look like bodybuilders and they don't look like massive powerlifters. Right. There's this sort of like like bulked up Iron Man looking guys. They honestly, know? they look like what you think of a, a true comic book superhero has been comic books i think range from that physique to bodybuilding physique yeah, like yeah. The, depending on the artist right right you know but like they sort of they mostly when you think of how they draw like a captain america mm-hmm. like that's sort of kind of what the crossfit athlete yeah. has is sort of molding itself or mm-hmm. has has become um when you think of like the the strong looking agile um type athlete i mean and, and combat athletes are starting to head that way too you know like we i like think i think it's going to be that and then between that and more endurance looking athletes depending on the person's probably body type if they're mesomorphs ectomorphs that sort of thing like alasanya like, oh yeah he, no, he couldn't yeah yeah but i mean he's an at i mean he's strong and he's got endurance so i mean the body type for like when you look at swimmers at least when i look at swimmers they all really have predominant traits that look similar. So ectomorph, right? right. And, and Ectomezo. Also, and, and also just how they've developed their shoulders and traps and, 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 and lats. Like yeah, they, yeah. they have the same body. T- you know, so, and sprinters outside of height have very similar, and they're super strong, but they have similar body structures from their sport. I feel like combat athletes, because each of them have different backgrounds, the wrestlers tend to be a little more, they have that little more stocky hunched look. And the Muay Thai guys tend to be long and rangy a little more in general. Yeah. I think because MMA doesn't dictate what your base is, therefore the body is going to kind of reflect what that person's base discipline True, was. True, yeah. Because Provided that they started as a child. Because I do believe uh, a child that starts athletics at a serious level is going to have their body development influenced by that sport. Meaning, the- I think there's a certain amount of survivor bias too, though, right? Because the ones who end up sticking with it for a lengthy amount of time are generally the ones who may or may not have the natural um, attributes. I, to, I, I, to I agree continue with that, but that, I do think right? that that if 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 a, if a if you have a youth athlete competing serious or training seriously a sport, um, their body is going to adapt as they're growing to that, and that is going to kind of stick with them for. A, Sure. That's going to stick with them. So I think wrestlers are good examples because, you know, Victor jokes about it. It's like there reaches a year of training where the wrestlers just, like, their shoulders start growing forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 Stage two. (laughs) He's evolved. (laughs) He's like the, um, yeah. And swimmers, like you said, they all have this huge upper body, especially on the back, because... (laughs) <laughs> they've been doing that yeah. or or rowers not that you see many kids rowing you know but they develop their back so I, I i do think it does influence things and the fact that mma you have multiple backgrounds they could be a wrestler base they could be a muay thai base they could be a jiu-jitsu base yeah that's true you could have different you know body types you can have a sean shirk you can have a bj penn you can have a george st pierre you can have anderson silva you can have you know they're different then you get to heavyweight, and then they all kind of. Then they then all. Then you have jacked or just big. You have Ninganu, or you have. Yeah, you have or Roy Nelson. <laughs> well, Roy Nelson is kind of the exception to everything. Yeah, he's. 
<laughs> so who who do you have next week? By the way, who you got? Okay, which which one is that? Which 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 event is Khabib Gage? That is next week already. That's next Saturday. I love seeing the memes about it. Like next week, the the two like baddest men on the planet will compete, and they have pictures of both wearing glasses, looking like complete nerds. <laughs> you know, like Gagey looks like. <laughs> who you got? All right, so hang on. Let me pull up this card. Actually, there's one tonight. There is one tonight, and there's some good fights tonight. Oh, it's it's uh, Ortega and oh, and Korean, Korean zombie. zombie. Yeah, man. All right. You know the one problem with UFC is there's, that they don't the numbers. You never remember the numbers. You never remember the numbers, and there's fight night, fight night at ESPN Plus, ES, UFC on ESPN. I, I don't even know what the hell it all means anymore. So it's all just like. Exclusively on ESPN Plus. Does that mean it's an ESPN Plus event? Does it mean like what does all what does all this mean? Well, you, yeah, but yeah. But um, it's fifty four next week. Two five four. Two five four. All right, let's go. At this point, you just need to call it the damn main event, and then that's the way you're going to reference. I it. mean, they they kind of do it, but it's hard to find sometimes. All right, here we go. Khabib Gaethje. Here we go. Let's see the other matches on the card. Whitaker Cannonier. That's also a big fight. Oh. Uh, Volkov, Walt Harris. That's a good fight as well. Dos Anjos against a Russian dude I've never heard of. Uh, God, he's still fighting, huh? Let's see. All right. Ost. Uh, Stefan Struve against Tia Tuivasa. That's an interesting fight. That's th- a really th- interesting fight. I thought Stefan Struve retired. Axel Oliveira's fighting. Sam They're just looking for COVID-free looking athletes for, at this point. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay, so in the main event, I've got the. I mean, I would go with Khabib. I would go Khabib with like a second or third round finish, ground and pound. Um, the only X factor, in my opinion, is I don't know what Khabib's head state is in. I mean, he's lost his dad, and he hasn't fought yeah. since then. And so who is his corner? Yeah, so I don't know how how that's going to affect him positively or negatively, you know? His, he might just be done. He might be like, you know what? Fighting's fucking, it's not that it pales in comparison to other things, right. you know? Or it might not, and he'll just be like, I'm going to kill, you know? But I don't, <clears throat> you know, I know people say, and Gaethje looked amazing against Tony. I mean, extremely, I thought he looked extremely technical against, against yes. Tony in, in terms of what he was doing. Tony was taking uh, ridiculous shots. I just don't think... I think Khabib knows what he does well, and I think he's he's gotten this far, not because he's ducked guys that were good you yeah. know, on their feet. I mean, I think Connor was a more dangerous fight than Gaethje is. I just think Gaethje's put together more wins. Yeah, yeah. Right now, he's so just he's tougher guy. guy. I mean, not, not that Connor's not tough, but I yeah. just uh, unless Gaethje like surprises me with his grappling ability or his wrestling defense, I think Khabib's gonna kind of lurk there a little bit and. Take him down, and then that's it. He's gonna he's gonna with, tie him up with face crank, face uh, crank. Back. I, no, I, I think I, I what I just see is he's gonna get up. He's gonna he's gonna get him on the fence. He's gonna be draping his whole body on the guy, and Gaethje's gonna be like starting to stand up. Tripped and goes back down to all fours. Yeah. Start to stand up. Go back to all fours, and he's just gonna he's just gonna wet blanket the fuck out of him, and then eventually he'll get on him. And have that kind of quarter mount, and he's just going to be punching with, you know, Gaethje's going to have his his hand over his face, yeah. and it's just going to be, you know, under on the chin, over under, and I think eventually he's just going to he's going to get him. I think it's going to be a ground and pound finish. 
Or it's going to be five rounds of him doing that. But I think I think he'll be able to finish. Of punishing. Yeah. Just yeah. Punishing, you know. I I mean, the Gaethje's last performance was very hard to gauge just because I think – is it safe to assume at this point, is it safe to say that Tony wasn't in the best of – I don't know. That I, wasn't I, the I best wanna, Tony that we could have seen. I, you I, know? I, 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 so it's hard I, to gauge. I, um, I try to avoid making comments like that. Who You know, I don't know. You know, he knows. But what I did see was, do you follow the guy who makes those funny videos on the fights? Mm-hmm. Um, not quite. No. I he, mean, I, I don't he, know who. There, there are a lot of people who make a lot of funny videos. I know, videos. but th- this is, dude, he made one about, about Tony. Dude, it was so funny. So, here. I, just watch the very beginning. Watch oh, this. this. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> Any problem? Yeah, that was, that's all I want to see. Looking good, Tony. That boxing's looking beautiful, Tony. <laughs> he brings him up again. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I fucking lost it. So yeah, the, um, guys, if you're wondering uh, what I was talking about, um, <laughs> Moha, dude, I don't know how to pronounce it. Mohaded Fudalat. Anyway, this guy's trying to trying to figure it out phonetically, guys. It'll yeah, probably sorry. figure it out. Anyway. Um, follow him he makes these awesome little animated cartoons with all the fighters and he's a big fan and i'm a big fan of his work so i i I like khabib's chances i mean maybe okay does he he should retire after this what did he say how many fights does he have does he have a round number or is he off him a round number he's 28 right now so he he gets to 30 and then he's got two more yeah he gets to 30 and done i mean i think i think he wants to fight gsp but i don't know you know you think that's a big draw? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just absolutely because of the UFC? But I think for the UFC, what, what, yeah, they'll, I mean, GSP's at the end like of the, 40 now, at though. the, end of the like, day, they'll not... make a big payday, which is great. But what they're trying to avoid in a way is that we can't have these guys come out of retirement or have retirement matches for titles. And then we, like, and then they go back in retirement. Like, if they yeah, win, like, yeah. they don't like the John Jones situation. I mean, at the end, of the day, it works, but it's like, yeah, like now we got Jan Blahowitz as the. What they don't want is like George just won the title from Khabib and then he retires. Right, right. So now what happened? Our champion just lost, so we just undercutted him a lot, Did and now the belt tournament? has nobody. Yeah, you know, those are risky fights for them. Like, they, what they want is the person to have the belt to win to keep the belt yeah, and make they... that person start them higher. Right. But when you right. have like a Khabib saying, "I kind of want to retire and I want to have a." Reti- Ideally, they have. That's why I think they prefer having. I don't know. I don't know this, but I want to say that they probably prefer that those fights happen when both those guys don't have titles. That's why they did Vanderlei and Chuck. Granted, they got Vanderlei and Chuck because Pride got acquired yeah, by the UFC. Yeah. But Vanderlei and Chuck is easier to happen when they're past their primes and neither one have their right. belts because you don't have. You know what I mean? It's like an interesting matchup just for the sake of the matchup, but there are no belts involved. Imagine. Khabib and George, like, like, I mean, it happened with Bisping and George, right? Like Bisping was kind of on his way out, became champion. Yeah, George and, came out of retirement to fight him, and then they won the no, title. So it was a big fight. And he immediately vacated. Yeah, it was a big fight, but then there was no momentum that the UFC built from yeah. that. So for a one-time payday, sure. But in terms of what's on the line, well, if Khabib wins, he retires. That's probably okay because he retires like great. Yeah. If George wins, he retires. And then if Khabib doesn't want to retire, you've undercut, you've cut the legs out of Khabib because right. he just lost to George who just went and retired. 
So now we're like, well, you know, Khabib, what was he going to, how do you hype up Khabib for another fight after he just lost? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it, there are ways to do it. But ideally, you get, you know, uh, you know, Khabib has one last fight against, let's say, Connor, and he wins. So Connor gets out of the picture. He retires. Then they have a new tournament for the, the belt. Yeah, like that that new, works. Right. Then a year later, Khabib comes out of retirement and fights George. I want my belt back. No. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, for yeah, George. George like, who's the yeah. best of all time? Right. No belt. Send me location. Yeah. Then they do that. So I think from a promotion standpoint, uh, that's kind of, I believe the logic of it. Maybe, you know, they'd say something else, but that's my logic for it. The, uh, oh, man. So what's interesting about Khabib, right? Like is, by the way, I, I can tell you've watched a lot of wrestling in your day. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is all a lot of, lot of, lot of storytelling oh, that's yeah, involved to, to and, do and that. And I do of. think, I mean, they're all promotions. That's why I think, you know, uh, there is a lot of similarity. And that's why I said, uh, you know, a few episodes ago that it's not, it's not about who's, the UFC is not, is a, fight promotion organization right. not a martial arts combat you know who's the best for yeah. the sake of finding who the best is no it's you know how do we make star because stars are what you know attract i mean demetrius johnson is a perfect example demetrius johnson is one of the best pound for pound fighters on this planet of martial arts yeah. martial arts yeah, like yeah. he does everything he's amazing yet they were happy to trade him to the one FC for Ben Askren, which if you're a sports team, you would never do that. You have LeBron James on your team. You're like, Oh, LeBron James is on my team, but I'm going to send him away to China. Cause I'm not interested. Right, you right. know? No, I mean, y- you keep him, but what he wasn't drawing, but who was drawing all these, not, you know, Chael was Chael is not as good of a fighter as Dimitri. I'm not saying Chael is a great fighter, but, Demetrius Johnson, pound for pound, is way better than yeah. Chael Sonnen. And plenty of guys. Oh, I mean, no, you Mike mean Perry Askren. Askren. You mean, I mean, Mike Perry. Yeah. Mike Perry is, is, is a draw. Yeah, yeah. No one would ever, I think, say, outside of Mike Perry's camp, that Demetrius Johnson is inferior to Mike Perry as a fighter. Right. I'm not saying Mike Perry couldn't beat Demetrius Johnson, but their size at play. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. talking about strictly in terms of what the person does, but... Um, being a star, being a draw is what matters, what makes the athlete money, and it's what makes the promotion money. money yeah. So it's in the promotion's best interest to create stars because that's how you you create stars, and then you put star power against star power, and you get these can't-miss fights, you know? You get these spectacles. I mean, the uh, to me, the spectacle that I enjoyed the most was Nate Diaz and Connor. I want to see a third. They still need to do that. And they're waiting. They'll get that in before yeah, they're they will, all retired. Yeah. They'll, you know, they'll get that in. So, and yes, wrestling absolutely does that. They get to do it because the outcome is predetermined. The UFC has to work with Ex- not well, predetermined. Yeah, they got to work with, yeah. That we know of. <laughs> let's, hey, let's not even plant that seed there, Trump. Calm down. Um, I mean, in Japan, they did it. No, no, yeah. In, yeah. in Japan, they, they, they worked, you know, they worked. But I mean, I think I think that's done in a different way in America. It's done via matchmaking. Yes, you know, it's it's not done this sort of like explicit mm-hmm. 
way. I think it's done via how it's how matches are made and contracts are signed. Correct. Is how the the predetermined sort of thing works in America, at least. At least that's what I want to believe because the sport. I want to believe the sport is as pure. Oh as yeah, it can and be. and that you know it's, it's like, done I, via. And and part of that also bureaucracy. also makes sense because it's like you have a you have a talent, a raw you know if you have a prodigy, well a prodigy still is inexperienced so. Does it even make sense at any level to put the prodigy in with the champ right away? No, right. You, you do have to build them up just because of they're course. inexperienced. They're, yeah, they, exactly. You know, they're I mean, young. Like, yeah. Let them get their victories. But it's not, you're not feeding them tomato cans. You're actually, you know, you're, you're treating his experience accordingly and giving them reasonable matchups. And marketing them. Correct. You know, appropriately. You know? Yeah. So that's a... I mean, John Jones, they brought him up well, you know. Oh, yeah. Like he was a phenom. Well. He did some throws and then... They probably pulled the trigger a little early just because there was like an injury that caused him to go in against Shogun. Or there was some weird circumstance. They said, well, I think that was, I think Shogun had an opponent. I'd have to look back at that. And then Shogun's opponent got hurt and John Jones won. And and Joe Rogan said, you know, Dana White just told me that, you know, so-and-so dropped out and you're going to be given the title shot against Shogun. So that was like, oh, this up-and-coming exciting fighter is now going to be the last minute, yeah. you know, not last minute, but going to be the replacement. And then, you know, he took over. And But he was he had already had, like, f- I think four or five fights. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, like, he was he well was in not, the... Yeah, like, he like was it, seasoned in the like UFC even. So. Bonner and, like, I think I forgot mm-hmm. who had, he had fought at that point. But, all right, well, welcome back. Thanks, Welcome, man. I guess, welcome back to both of us, right? Yeah. From two very... Distinctly different debilitating, debilitating uh, events to to us this week to keep us off the mats. Um, yeah, man, keep keep training, keep rehabbing rather, not yeah. training. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better. Your your spirits are back to the Noah of old. I think you've processed all your emotions. Yeah, there's some thoughts. processing involved. <laughs> I mean, I was again. It was just, uh, you know, shock some acceptance and then relief yeah you know the, the five stages yeah well, yeah the five stages of grief or something <laughs> anger what <laughs> denial yeah what? denial yeah. denial anger bargaining something and acceptance and acceptance yeah <laughs> psych majors out there screaming the fourth one <laughs> yeah like i feel like amy coney Barron. so anyway we are coming up on our one year anniversary um sorry and yeah, we're coming up on our fifth year, or excuse me, fifth year. First on year. our one year. First year anniversary of BJJ and Brews. Uh, that's going to be next week. In terms of like one calendar year, that's going to be next month from the time we're recording. In terms of 52 episodes, that'll be in a couple weeks because we did miss a week or two in there yeah. somewhere. But Good backlog. Dude, we've been doing it for almost a year, This man. is awesome. So, a little bit of an institution we got going on here I now. Know. That's awesome. So, so anyway, um, like, subscribe, share. And as always, we will catch you down the road.